0: Welcome to Propel, a podcast by Fellowship Pacific to propel you and your ministry forward in the mission God has for you. I'm your host, Jessica Powell, and in today's episode, Krista Penner from our leadership development team is talking with Dustin Laird, lead pastor of Redemption Community Church, and Larry Lagerstrom, board chair at Redemption Community Church. They talk about board governance in the church and how the concepts of responsibility, authority, and accountability affect the interactions and relationships between Dustin as lead pastor and the church board. So let's get to it. Here's Krista's conversation with Dustin Laird and Larry Lagerstrom.
1: Welcome to our Propel Fellowship podcast. So glad that I'm on here today with Dustin and Larry. And today we're going to be talking about board governance and all of the mystery around that, the importance of it in the local church. And for many of you, you know that within Fellowship Pacific, we have a really strong emphasis on having our boards go through board training. And so I've invited these gentlemen to join me for a discussion today about the importance of board training, the importance of uh, of board governance in the life of a church. And so I just want to say welcome. Welcome to both of you. So glad to have you.
2: Hey, thanks, Krista. Appreciate being here.
1: Yeah. So just as a little bit of a, a Uh, rounding out of so everybody knows kind of who you are we've got Dustin with us here today he's a pastor of Redemption Church he's a graduate out of our Immerse program yay immerse (laughs) and uh so he is here with his board chair Larry Lagerstrom so Larry uh is uh been part of Redemption from its inception as a church plant he also is a member of the fellowship pacific regional board and works as a mentor in the immerse program so larry wears a ton of hats and in fact back in the day was one of the mentors for dustin in the immerse program so pretty awesome that we're all here today you guys working together in your church and so why don't you each tell us a little bit about yourself about your family dustin we'll start with you
2: Yeah, so my name is Dustin Laird. I'm a pastor. We uh, planted Redemption about seven and a half years ago now. And uh, I've got a wife, two kids, we're happily settled in Surrey at this uh, point in time, see no reason to be heading anywhere else. So grateful for the opportunity to be serving in the church and have people like Larry on board since uh, before the beginning. It's been a joy to serve with him over this period of time.
1: It's great to have you Dustin. And Larry, tell us a little bit about your family.
3: Well, like Dustin, I have a wife and two kids, but uh, in addition to that, have five grandkids as well. So it's been good. And I guess with Dustin saying a uh, great serving together, it has been uh, the relationship Dustin has, uh, we've had for the last, I don't know what it is, eight years or something now is, has been incredible as board chair, uh, as friends, as the works.
1: That's awesome. Well, really, as we walk into this conversation today and we talk about board training and some of the aspects of it, you know, one of the things I'm reminded of is just I listen to um, you talk about your friendship with each other. It is such a vital part of that board dynamic in a church that there is relationship. Everything rises and falls on that relationship, you know, primarily our relationship with Christ uh, that then informs our relationships with each other, especially at that board governance level, which then really sets the tone for the culture of what's going to be happening in the church. Hence the reason we're talking about this today and why it's so important. So for our listeners, just wanting to clarify where we're going with this today Uh, Within, within Fellowship Pacific, we feel it is so important that our boards are functioning well, we see the church board as really being a microcosm of what's happening in the rest of the church. So figuring out how to do things well, staying on focused on mission, understanding what the vision is, understanding the difference between ends and means, all of this really does help a church stay on track with where it's wanting to go in regard to their gospel mandate. And I remind us all that within Fellowship Pacific, we have said that together as a group of churches, we are leveraging our collective strength to make a God honoring impact in BC and Yukon. So to that end, we wanna talk about board governance today and the role that it plays in the pursuit of mission in the church. So just to start with you guys, just wanna ask you a question. And, uh, you know, Dustin, we're going to start with you. In your experience, what do you think are the basic principles that every board member needs to know? Like when you walk into your board meeting, what are the things that you, you kind of have an understanding that your board members already know and understand are important?
2: Yeah, well, that's... Um kind of a diversity of things the the spiritual maturity component is one that that rises to the surface Uh, we began and as a church plant we were we were really blessed to have a sending church that kind of gave us whatever it is that we asked for and one of those things even was the kind of the policy manual and the governance plans and we looked at that and kind of reviewed it as a team that was planting a church and and wanted to make sure that that spiritual maturity that that aspect that we are the overseers of this church was emphasized and so that's one where we made sure to, to kind of insert it and phrase it in ways where we were recognizing that one of the roles of this, um, this board, yes, we are functionally helping the church run organizationally, but we've also got the responsibility as spiritual leaders of this church for everything from uh, ensuring that the doctrine that's being preached is accurate to pulling together on church discipline when necessary. Uh, some of that stuff that, that really doesn't fall into a typical kind of uh, ends and means type responsibility, but is is a part of our role collectively together so that that components one that's kind of right off the off the top and and one that we're looking for and asking about when we do leadership team interviews right off the bat is these are these people who are committed and, and mature in to and uh, committed to growing as disciples.
1: Yeah, that's really good. And, you know, I was just thinking as you're explaining that, that we might circle back to that in our conversation. Just even be, you know, maybe you could give us some pointers uh, in regard to what do you do as a board to ensure spiritual vibrancy? Is there some kind of accountability that you uh, have built into what you do?
2: Yeah, well, that's one where... um... Uh, one of the practices we've kind of introduced in in more recent um, years in the, on the board is um, it's just something as simple as kind of how the, the meetings start it for years was kind of me bringing a word of devotion and prayer and it was a standard agenda item and then uh, we began actually cycling that through the leadership team members recognizing that this is something that uh, you know the ability to to teach scripture is kind of a part of the responsibility and so to be able to uh, rotate through something like that has brought uh, a tremendous insight into the personal lives of us as, uh, as board members. And something as simple as asking that to happen, you know, a couple of times a year as we cycle through, uh, you understand and, and people are able to admit when they're feeling as though they're in a dry time, when they're feeling as though God is near to them. Uh, we had a, a board member a couple of months ago uh, express and, and here's a guy who's Probably in his early 50s, followed Jesus his whole life, and he had expressed how in the previous couple of weeks leading up to that, he had, you know, had experiences with, with the presence of God in his life in the midst of some different difficult circumstances in a way he'd never experienced before. And without even a simple form like that, there wasn't really going to be a way for him to express that. And so there, there's things like that where we're getting glimpses into one another's uh, personal lives and spiritual lives just by building in that, that shared responsibility in that particular context.
1: Well, it's interesting that you bring that up because what I'm really hearing there is that at your board, at that board level, at redemption, you are encouraging and fostering vulnerability. Mm-hmm. So people are feeling safe to actually express what's what's happening that's really huge when yeah. you think about the undercurrent of needing to foster and protect the unity mm-hmm. so that you can move forward vulnerability is such a big part so yeah thanks that's for right. sharing that I I'm really, really I'm thrilled to hear that because mm-hmm. we need to see more of that at that level of the church because I think it it, it actually propels uh, that kind of culture and it permeates through the rest of the church if at that top level of the board Mm -hmm. level that's what's being practiced Mm -hmm. so larry like we're going to turn to larry i I know larry you thought you were off the hook dustin and i were just going to talk for an hour and
2: i think
1: thumbs up and that was it but when you look at this list, we kind of put it, for our listeners, we kind of put a list together of, of things that were top priorities for a board, accountability, responsibility, authority, exemplary conduct, mission and vision driven, streamlined, all of these things. When you look at that list, Larry, what are some of the things that stick out to you? Uh,
3: well, the first thing that stuck out to uh, is Dustin and I uh, chatted about a few of these and tried to say, you know, do we have one or two that we put to the top of the list and we really struggled trying to find one or two that came to the top, it really was mm-hmm. that. All of these were so interconnected and you couldn't have one without the other,
2: mm-hmm.
3: but uh, it, my bent as uh, as the board chair. Uh, initially goes to more of the, the policy governance side of things, the accountability, responsibility, authority, the relationships between those and how they have to be structured to drive that mission and mission and vision that you've got. So I, I, I kind of push to those and then looking at the other end and saying, okay, and how, when all of that is functioning right, how is that providing the value-added work and measurable at the end of the day for us. So it, it I can't pick one or two, uh, but it, it really is the pieces that in themselves drive what policy governance is all about and what it's meant to be there for.
1: Yeah, no, that's fair. I, can, I look at this list as well and go, yes, there's gotta be uh, accountability. There's gotta be delegated responsibility. People gotta know what they're supposed to do. They also need to have the authority in order to get it done so that they can be held to accountability that's true. And Dustin, you hit on exemplary conduct when you talk about spiritual, um, the spiritual vibrancy of each of the board members. And this idea of being mission and vision driven, Uh, You know, we talk about mission and vision in the context of what we do with board training. We talk about mission being the, the great commission. It's the overarching mission of the church. And then we talk about vision. And we talk about vision being the customized adaptation of the mission in the context in which the church is located, the people that the church serves, uh, just the demographic that calls that church home or knows that church in their community. Can you guys talk to me a little bit about uh, what that looks like in your context as a church plant that currently is without a a stake in the ground, you're Mm -hmm. still renting a facility. What does mission and vision look like for you guys at Redemption?
2: Hmm. Hmm. Well, that's one where, you know, we, we, we have a mission that is very, uh, per, you know, very standard for churches. They, they really all should be very similar. And ours is no different there. And then, likewise, with the vision, it's, it's one that's uh, been developed and, and is focused on who we are trying to reach in our particular area and yeah that happens to be kind of the the geographical area around a school where we're no longer allowed to meet so we'll see how that pans out in the next little while but the the idea of how those come to be has been something where Larry's experience in the past has really helped uh, kind of make sense of my day-to-day the idea of how ENDS work and how they're developed is something that's been really helps me not get lost in the day-to-day of ministry and spinning my wheels, doing things that don't actually end up accomplishing that mission and vision. And so I'll probably just pass it over to Larry, because that idea of how the board function supports the mission and vision is one that, that I know he, he has quite a bit of passion for. Uh,
3: it, well, I'm really vision to, to speak more to vision, uh, as that is, little more applicable to our day-to-day operations so we get together as a board we do have sessions with the congregation uh, at the start of things uh, to find out what do we want to be as a church what would good look like Uh, let's try to picture three or five years and if you throw yourself out at that time period what do you see us looking like and that then ends up working backwards to drive some of our our shorter term visions our annual plans uh, right down to our our annual ends and even even weekly daily operations so anything we do uh, as a board we don't get down as much as expected to those day-to-day things Uh, we'll leave those up to to dustin we're we're there to support and provide guidance as needed but it's going to be here's where we would like this church to go what we're we're seeing that vision uh, being for us uh here's the annual plan here's your objectives or your ends for the year uh go fill your boots uh let's let's see what creativity looks like let's uh let's see the different ways that we can get there as opposed to uh, I know we try to take vision as not being this uh, this thing that is really, uh, I don't know, it, policy is something that not everyone likes. And vision can be something that you have to look at it and embrace it and be excited about it, as opposed to saying, here's where we want to go at the end of the day and how are we going to get there. And it's kind of, ah, it's, it's blah. So as a board, we try to take what we're accountable for to get that out there and find out a way to roll out what Dustin requires to implement his plans, but in an exciting way that is going to really deliver at the end of the day, the value add to our members, to the community. Uh, not sure if that's getting where you're wanting to go, we can go right down to Okay.
1: No, it's good, it's good. And uh, what I like, what I think, what I'm hearing is that you've actually applied vision to what really goes on every day. And I think one of the struggles that we see in our churches and any organization that's trying to like move a ball down the court is to take that lofty dream and translate it into strategy that can be used on a daily basis. So that macro actually affecting the micro. And it's really a mindset. Like for a church, for a church staff that you go, where are we going? Does this align with where we're going? Is it, as you mentioned, Larry, is it adding value? Is there value added work that's happening Uh, that's getting us where we want to go and that kind of takes me as a great segue into the next thing I wanted to talk a little bit more about you. Larry's mentioned it a little bit. Um, I want to talk about value-added work with you guys for a moment. What does this principle mean in the context of the church? How have you implemented this, this idea of value-added work in a practical way at Redemption? Uh,
3: One of the first things that kind of ties the two together that I would think here is the things that you do and what you want to deliver this if you take a business hat from it we've got a product to deliver and it allows us to stay focused it's kind of that litmus test that when you've got a group together everyone has their passions everyone has these things they want to do and this one stakeholder they want to help with and this is our our test to keep us focused so uh, someone thinks this is the value we want to deliver and we can bring it back and we can take it to our vision and say, you know, this isn't really where we are. So now that we're focused, uh, how valuable is our church in the market? Are we, are we changing the lives of our members? Are we changing the lives of the community? Are we a desired destination, for example? Are, uh, are people attending knowing how valuable they are to us because you can't be adding value if the members don't feel valued, if the community doesn't feel valued. So you've got to have a product that they know it's being developed for them. We're trying to meet their needs. And there's a few ways that we use to try to measure some of those there's a lot of things you can think about the value you want to add to the community is it marriage encounters uh is it the tough questions sermons like, that everyone says oh you know I, I wish someone would talk about these things uh alpha programs but one of the things to think about about that value as well and how we'll measure it is is strictly the common one attendance right? are, are people wanting to come and then even bigger than that are they feeling that we're adding enough value that they're willing to invite people? And if people aren't inviting their friends to our church, uh, as tough as it sounds uh, to people, it's fair to say that we're not adding value. If our own members aren't seeing that that value enough to invite their friends. Uh, so it's it's one of the things that we will use to try to measure make sure we're on the right track. And, and you know, more often than not, we feel that we're failing in that one it's a real tough nut to crack but it's always top of mind for us
1: now you bring up such a good point larry you know you think about how um we can get really comfortable serving the people that call our church home like the people who go I belong to redemption. This is the place I hang. These are my people. This is my my friend group. My spiritual advisor is there. Uh, these are the people I'm accountable to. And it's comfortable. And I think that there gets to be a place in there where if we're not careful as a church, as a church board, we can just serve that constituent. And really, as you've said, not add that value to the bigger to the bigger audience, the community. One of the things I always love to remind boards of is you know, here we are, we're in a place in our country where we still enjoy a tax exempt status with the CRA because the government, for all intents and purposes, has said the church adds value to the community. So there comes a place in there where, as a board, you need to be asking these tough questions. Are we adding the value that the government says that we're adding to the community and that's hence the reason we have this tax exempt status, we are not a social club for an elite group of people, we are a service provider to the community at large. And we talk about answering the question, who are your constituents. Who, who, who do you serve? And you, when you look at the big picture, we immediately think, well, we serve our membership. We serve the people who walk through the door every Sunday. Well, the government thinks that you serve a lot more people than that. They think that you serve, yes, the people who called redemption home, the people who have signed the dotted line, their members, the people who come every Sunday, but you also, your constituents include the people who come on Christmas and Easter. The people who phone Dustin and go, could you do a funeral for us? Could you do a wedding for us? Uh, We need to do marriage counseling before we get married. Could you help us with that? All of those people, they are also part of your constituent. So it is bigger. So it's really great to hear you thinking about that. And thanks for being honest about thinking that you're actually not doing as great a job as you could. I think most of our churches, that sadly is true. We could all do a better job of... Serving our communities and looking for ways to be invested outside the walls of our church. So that's wow. one aspect of value added, uh, of a of value added principle. The other aspect of it is having um, agendas and goals for the year, which you you guys have already kind of talked about and referred to. It's having um, a consent agenda it's having an annual agenda so that you're not forgetting the things that need to be done on an annual basis. It's all of those kinds of things that um, add value to what you're doing because you're actually getting everything done that needs to be done as a board. So it's it's the dreaming and the visioning that you're responsible for, but it's that administrative piece that's also part of what you need to do. And that's why we do board governance training. So we can be reminding everybody of those things and what they need to do. So great, we're gonna talk now, we're gonna kind of segue into talking about your experience as a pastor, as a board chair, what this looks like. So Larry's already kind of referred to this. So we're gonna start with you, Larry. Uh, you know, we talk a lot and it really a lot, a lot, a lot. So much in fact, we talk about this thing of the connection between responsibility, authority and accountability. We talk about it so much that as we're rolling out this new board training that we're doing, we have three sessions that we've built. One is called responsibility, one is called authority, one is called accountability. And all of the information that we tried to download in six hours on a Saturday that made all board members heads explode, we have actually dissected it out into separate seminars that allow uh, you more discussion and more chewing on this thing and figuring it out. So because we talk about it so much, Larry, can you give us an example of how this formula has played out in the relationship between your board and Dustin?
3: Uh, it's a it's a good question. It, it's all governance uh, and every church has it and it's just how they implement it. It makes it good or bad. Uh, we like to Ensure that anything that uh, that relation with Dustin, we have monthly board meetings. Uh, We're always discussing where Dustin has responsibility and authority. Uh, He's granted that authority to go along with his responsibility. Uh, He knows his what he's accountable to deliver to us. Uh, He knows he can delegate that all he wants, but uh, buck stops at him really at the end of the day. And we'll have some, uh, some weekly meetings. Dustin and I meet very regularly. Uh, I think probably the first three quarters of those meetings, however, ends up being informal. How's your week been? How are you doing? How's your dad doing? How's your family? Mm-hmm. And, and, and we, we have that personal relationship. And then we are able to put the work hats on and, and separate those. And now, can I go through Okay. How are things going? Are we ready for for this one? Where are your struggles? Uh, uh, Are we meeting this deliverable? Uh, Are we gonna have any surprises when we have our next board meeting? Uh, uh, Quarterly progress reports that are in there. So we've got the annual plan that's been passed down, Uh, Dustin is expected to give us reports, uh, whether it be green light, yellow light, red light on what's working, what's not, what's what he believes maybe needs to be taken off the table or, or reworded. Uh, he knows he's accountable to the board, but at the same time, he knows that he has the full board support on anything that he needs. Uh, we have a piece on our agenda called the sounding board, and this may be something that he knows fully that it's his, his responsibility, but he wants to bounce something off us. Uh, we do ask that he is, is pushing the envelope. Uh, so we will set his objectives, but those objectives that are what we want to achieve as opposed to how we want him to achieve them. And with that comes the expectation as well that he's going to work within the policy guidelines, but he is going to really push things. And uh, we've joked around about it that if he's not getting our back up a little bit sometimes, he's not pushing hard enough. But we want to feel uncomfortable with the things that he's doing, that he's implementing. We want some feathers rubbed. And yes, maybe we have to pull back and say, okay, it might have crossed a little, but you did what you're supposed to do. You didn't break any rules. So it's really, what do we give to him? How do we give it? He knows he's accountable, but with as loose of a framework as we can give him to make sure that the job gets done, but he's paid for a job. We we don't want to tell him what to do and how to do it. Yeah. Throw it back if you want to kind of, Feed and, yeah. and probe on any of that, or Dustin, if you've got some thoughts on how that's working.
2: Well, yeah, I mean that's it, it was something I didn't understand when I began this position. That was really important to learn. Uh, you know, on the one hand, for how I operate and how I do my job, also for how the trickle down effect through the organization is. If I've got ministry leaders and I'm willing to give them kind of a, a false responsibility and a an empty authority, then I really can't hold them accountable for it. And it was a it was a bad habit of mine at the beginning. I kind of felt like if people were serving the church, they were, you know, I was burdening them with that. And so if there was any kind of hiccup or struggle, I was quick to uh, take back, you know, that, that responsibility, authority, and accountability. I, would, I wouldn't hold anybody accountable. I'd try and rescue or save the day and let people off the hook, people who are absolutely capable, absolutely competent, gifted, able to do that. And here I was taking away from them. Uh, the joy of serving and being a part of what God was doing in the church, and so quite a learning process to figure out what this meant. And and as Larry says, I mean, there's there's regular times where Larry's reminding me this is a call you can make, this is a decision you can make. He he's reminding me of that often, but at the same time with a, a great openness for that sounding board piece to realize that you know a, a functional administrative kind of thing. Say we've got a vision to reach our community, be adding value through a sports ministry well you know yeah we can get that up and running we can make that happen but with that end desire to to really be of spiritual benefit to people to to introduce them to the gospel to invite them to become followers of Jesus that's that's a component that the spiritual leaders of the church I want praying about knowing is the the you know true end of that and so I'm not just reporting on how many people registered to play soccer this year, uh, but on what it looks like when there's an opportunity to share the gospel and how that's being formulated, how is that planned for, um, you know, so we are doing that value-added work in the community, but in a way that is, is kingdom-minded and is driven by that. And that's where it's, it's been a neat balance to say that I do have the authority given to me uh, with the responsibility, and I can be held accountable to it, but I'm also serving alongside my brothers and sisters in Christ, and they aren't just downloading the complete, you know, functioning of the church to me and then holding me, you know, nailing me to the wall at the end because it did or didn't happen. Um, there's, there's quite a bit of joy in serving and recognizing uh, what we do is, is, is you know, it, it is the Lord's work. He is the one who is, is deciding on many of these ends actually coming to pass or not. And so we share in, in that kind of mysterious aspect of it together.
1: No, that's good, Dustin. So I, I heard a couple of things that I just want to reiterate for our audience. The first thing I heard was you saying in all vulnerability, when I first became the pastor, I didn't really understand this thing of responsibility, authority, and accountability. That is so key. And I'm so glad that you were willing to share that because I think that's a big deal for a lot of our leaders, not really understanding how that works. And so Then falling into the same trap that you fell into, which was grabbing stuff back, um, not holding people accountable, um, kind of taking it all, you know, and trying to do it yourself or take Mm -hmm. on all of that, that responsibility and being, you know, thinking you're accountable for all of that. And you know what I hear in all of that that's so important for our listeners and just to acknowledge here today. Is that's a recipe for burnout? That's a Mm -hmm. recipe that says there is no sustainability in what I'm gonna, what I'm doing here in ministry. So I can only do this for ten years. Then I'm out of here. I just got to get a job in the real world where I can just sit at my desk and you know, you know, hit a button. Um, That's sort of a weird thing to say, but whatever. You know, you get, you get what I'm talking about. Like people Mm -hmm. don't have sustainability if they don't learn how to manage that well and we talk about that in board training because it is a formula that translates out of that board level into the everyday happenings within an organization within the church and if you can incorporate that I've always said if I could figure if I'd figured that out when I had kids okay, this is what you're responsible for. I'm giving you the little bit of authority that you need to do it. And then I'm going to hold you accountable. I'm going to hold you to the fire about this. I don't care that you're nine years old, you're going to figure this out. I mean, you think about how that changes even how you raise your kids, right? Mm-hmm. It's a really great formula. So I just want to say thank you for sharing that with us, Dustin. And I hope that for our listeners who are hearing that and going, oh, I'm not alone. I can go on this journey and I can figure this out. And so putting. Mm-hmm. Spotlight back on you, Dustin. I want to ask you this. If if we were able to give you a platform and you were standing in front of all of our pastors across our region and you were going to talk about your relationship with your board, what advice would you give our pastors?
2: That's a good question. I think um, what comes to mind kind of follows suit from, from what just happened. I didn't really give a second thought to saying how terrible I was, Larry and I talked before this, maybe we could share enough of our failings that people could <laughs> realize they're not, they're not alone in, in, in so much of uh, the experience of figuring this out on the go. But, um, you know, sharing with the board that, you know, I've, I've given them quite a bit of a window into my life and finding a balance between recognizing that's not me ducking responsibility, Uh, When I'm struggling with something, um, you know, I I am willing to share, I'm willing to be one of those, the first who is vulnerable, and it invites a culture of that. And uh, as we go through the year, one of the things Larry talks about with um, year end reviews is there should be no surprises. Uh, If a board is doing its job well enough all year, I shouldn't be finding out, uh, you know, at the end of December, that they've been dissatisfied since February, that that should be something that's an ongoing monitoring. and. I think it can apply the other way. The board shouldn't be surprised if I'm struggling. I shouldn't be hiding that, trying to handle it myself, and then getting to a point where I drop a resignation letter on the table without any of them really having had a clue. And like I say, I don't do that and say, oh, I'm having a really tough time. I'm, you know, struggles with uh, with family or in life in general or in ministry. And so please go easy on me on the review. But giving them a, an accurate window into where I'm at and, you um, From that, uh, the response that I get is one of, of, you know, what do you need from us? And that's a question that comes out, and it's got two aspects to it. I hear my board saying, "What do you need from us as a board for you to continue to function and and thrive in your role as the pastor of our church?" And what do you, Dustin, brother in Christ, need from us? And and when that comes out, there's a, yeah, there's there's really a kind of a beautiful shift in my mind of, of us being a, a business oriented group who has a task to do to, uh, uh you know, partners in the gospel who are, uh, recognizing that life is difficult. Ministry is difficult. And even if they don't jump in and physically join me in some ministry aspects, I'm not struggling with that loneliness of sharing the, feeling the burden all on myself, uh, by sharing it. I mean, you share, the struggles that you have with anybody it alleviates the loneliness that you're the only one who knows what's going on inside of you and often i don't actually need a great deal from them other than to have been able to be honest and to be prayed for and for them to to know where i'm at as i progress through the year in ministry and as an individual
1: wow that's super i hope that's an encouragement to everyone who's listening that that really is needs to be the tenor of what a church board looks like what do you need from us what do we need to help each other mm-hmm. as we work together toward the mission of presenting the gospel in our communities and showing the world what it looks like to live in harmony, even when we, when things aren't perfect, what mm-hmm. does that look like? So as we kind of come to a time where we're starting starting to wrap things up here, one last question, it's a free for all question. You guys could decide who's going to answer this, mm-hmm. but do you ever think there's a time that a board just gets it all right and has, in essence, arrived at board governance utopia. Um, what do you think that ever happens? Yeah.
3: <laughs> I, I expect the answer that you're that you're expecting to hear is no, not a chance.
1: Well, that but, gives hope that you answer that way, actually.
3: <laughs> but but at the same time, I uh, I do like to believe that our board is getting there that we are doing things right and the way that we're doing them is by making sure we're always asking what we need to do to improve why we're not there yet so are we we've got an agenda item on there as well at the end of every one uh, in relation to our working relationship on how we're operating What's working? What's not? What do we need to do different? That is a question every time we're asking each other and development is key. Uh, Whether, whether it's these training sessions you're having and, and it's not that a board goes to it once and they've got it. uh, I think the board should go to it as many times as they can. Uh, Mm -hmm. Things change. Uh, You pick things up the first time. And as you grow with, with this, you, you learn a little bit more the next time. Uh, An informal training as well, whether it be guest speakers you bring in, whether it's blogs you're watching, uh, books you're reading, uh, you've got to stay on top of it. And if you are, yes, maybe you're never going to be at a time where you can say you're at utopia because things keep changing around you. But uh, you can be a very highly effective board if you stay up on things is, is where I'm thinking we're at least trying to be.
1: That's actually a really, that's a good answer. Do you have anything you want to add to that, Dustin?
2: Yeah, that intentional development. I mean, there's there's definitely a difference between board governance utopia that you're functioning well. I I think we're we're in a real healthy place with regards to that. As individuals, we've got a long way to go, a long way in our sanctification journey, but it's been intentional all the way through. We've been to the board training a number of times as a board since our church was planted. And beyond that, just recognizing there's somebody in our church who's Uh, you know very well versed in psychiatry and psychology and so we had them come once and just talk about power dynamics among a team what does it look like for me as a pastor to have the job that I have but to be sitting there with Larry uh, who's just a couple years older than me and got the experience that he's had and at that particular time we had one of David Harita's sons what does it mean for me to relate with somebody who I know is in the Harita uh, lineage I mean what does that look like and so the 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 dynamics of how you work together there was another time where we invited a a large church staff member to come and just help give us some kind of outside perspective on our functioning our sense of vision and what we were kind of moving towards maybe why we were spinning some wheels and stuff and so it's it's one of the reasons we're so healthy i think is because we've been self-monitoring and identifying areas where we can be growing and investing in this and there's there's a cost to governance and its development and its growth and its education. And that's, that's a worthwhile investment.
1: Oh yeah. Very well said. And you know, it's so interesting when you look at the dynamic of a board, you can be floating along, you go into an AGM, you vote on one or two new members because somebody's term is up. And all of a sudden you're back at square one and you're forming norming Uh, you're forming well you're 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 forming and then you're storming and then you're norming and then you're performing with new members and the challenge that I always want to give to our churches is every time you invite a new member onto your team you need to go back to the basics and make sure that you're all on the same page as far as what does our governing structure look like how are we giving responsibility and authority to the pastor making sure everybody knows what we're doing. And so that's some of the stuff that we go over in our board training. It's just that reminder. So uh, very well put. So as we're coming to a close here, a couple more questions for you guys because with our Propel podcast, we always end with these because it gives um, gives our readers something to think about. But uh, in the context of what you're doing, um, you know, uh, it could be something from your life, not necessarily in regard to board governance. What relationships in your life keep you focused and keep you energized? We know Jesus is the right answer. So we know that Jesus is at the top of the list. So who else besides Jesus? Fair enough. Justin, you want to start?
2: Yeah, sure. You know, it's um, there's a number of relationships. You know, I think of the, the connections that I have. Uh, outside of ministry, uh, through through playing hockey and and things like that. Uh, there's an aspect where when I find myself immersed in the culture in which I live, where people aren't focused on Christ, that energizes me for ministry. It reminds me of the ongoing importance of what we're doing as a church and and offering this hope of the gospel in, in a dark world. Um, when it comes to the the functioning of the church, uh, Larry and I's relationship, as he mentioned, for eight years. We've met weekly, and uh, that's a that's a significant relationship because it's it's one that's very personal, but it's got it's professional edges that uh, has evolved so much over time. There, there, you know, I asked him to hold my hand on every single decision at the beginning of what we were doing, and now we get to a point where I'll make decisions, and he'll say, you know, that's not the decision I would have made, but good for you to make it. And, and this, you know, as that relationships evolved, it's been one that has kind of kept me ministry wise, focused, energized, moving in the direction that, that we want to see the church go with that element of grace, that it's a hard journey sometimes and we need to have each other's backs in the midst of it.
1: No, oh, that's good. That's good. And just a follow-up question for you, Dustin, mm-hmm. um, any, any resources that you're reading right now that our listeners might be interested in?
2: Um, a couple have come to mind. One um, kind of said, I think it's Will Mancini. He's got God Dreams and Church Unique, a couple of books that go together uh, that just kind of explore the the kingdom impact a particular congregation might be called uh, to make. And it's just kind of helped rethink through what community are we in, what giftings do we have in the church, those kinds of things. I'm finding that uh, kind of an inspiring pair of books as we pursue that, especially at this particular juncture in time. And and what does the execution of a vision that was developed in a pre-pandemic world look like now? So that's been good. And then one that's not so much as uh, related to to board governance, but it's uh, Piper's We Are Not Professionals. A tremendous reminder of of the value of the glory of God, of the calling to be a shepherd. And we can focus quite a bit on board uh, board governance and how we organizationally are functioning. But uh, to me, that's a a great reminder of the calling to shepherd, to be an overseer, to to care for God's people and to be um, focused on the glory of God, as opposed to caught up in the policies that help us function to see those ends achieved.
1: Excellent. Thank you for sharing those. And how about you, Larry? What relationships keep you focused and energized? And what kind of resources are you reading lately that you could share with our audience?
3: Uh, similar to Dustin on the relationship side of things. Uh, yes, of course, Jesus at the top. But I, I kind of put uh, Dustin with the mentoring relationship that I end up having reverse with him. Uh, he, he keeps me to the extent he can on track with, uh, with getting a little closer to Jesus when, when uh, I'm not quite there. So uh, that relationship, I think, uh, it, I put it down with Dustin quite often as a two-way mentoring relationship that we've got. And uh, is probably the strongest I, I have anywhere right now outside just family relationships and, uh, and the impact the family has. Yeah, yeah. Uh, as far as resources, uh, I'll leave the book side of it to Dustin with what he had. But as, as far as the, the board chair type side. I put networking uh, still for resources at the top. Uh, for me, uh, talking with other, other board facilitators, other business leaders, uh, social forums, finding out their success stories, uh, sharing best practices, sharing worst practices. Uh, find so much value on just making sure your network is broad enough that you're not just working in your own silo
1: yeah no that's really good so important and you know a little extra um little extra work these days to do that networking because of social distancing and people really cocooning at home more than more than ever but such an important aspect i was just reading actually near the end of acts uh, this morning and was quite taken back when i really started thinking about all the travel that Paul did and how he retraced his steps after he'd been places and explained the gospel. And he actually says, we need to go back and see how they're doing. And I thought, yeah, man, that whole idea that we get into each other's spaces and we connect with one another and we sharpen each other is such an important aspect to what we do as uh, even as a group of churches. And that kind of brings us full circle to this idea that is a fellowship of this Fellowship Pacific, these churches that are spread out across BC and into Yukon, how important it is that we network with each other, that we support one another, that we hold each other accountable to our gospel mandate. Um, Just a huge part of, of who we are as a group. So, you know, bringing this thing to a close, just want to remind our readers that we are, we have launched this new series of, uh, resources on board governance, three separate seminars, one focused on responsibility, one focused on authority, one focused on accountability. We're happy to do these, re, uh, do these seminars through Zoom or in a socially distanced way with your church board, but want to encourage you that you keep on educating yourselves as board members in order to keep on track with the mission and vision that God has called you to. And whatever you do, support that pastor. Be there for your pastor board members and uh, support them and love them and encourage them and pray for them. So I want to thank you guys for being here with us today. It's been an awesome privilege to spend this time with you and just to chat such a blessing to hear how your relationship is going and how things are going with your church. So um, thank you again
0: for being here with me today.
2: Appreciate the opportunity. Thanks, Krista.
0: Thanks for listening to today's episode As you heard in this conversation, staying on top of your development as a board is vitally important in order to be effective. And we here at Fellowship Pacific are ready to help with that. Our board training, Church Leaders on Mission, has just gone through a brand new update. So if it's been a while since you've gone through it, or if you have new board members who have never gone through it, we highly recommend booking a time to invest into your health as a board. You can find more information about the training along with a number of other resources available for you by visiting our website at www.fedpacific.ca.